Good morning, family up in Adam. God bless you. Let us take a moment to start off our day with hallelujah. Let us praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. How big is our God? How big is the Lord, our God? How do we understand God? He shows up in mysterious ways. His miracles to perform. Amazing. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Okay, let's do it again with the uh, trespasses. Our Father, who art in heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Okay, one more time. Let's go ahead and use the debt. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. October 14, reading from the little 24-hour book, it says, How big a part of my life is a 12-step program? Is it just one of my activities and a small one at that? Do I only go to meetings now and then and sometimes never go at all? Do I think of the program only occasionally? Am I mentioning it, the subject now and then to people who might need help? Or does the program fill a large part of my life? It is the foundation of my whole life. If it wasn't, where would I be without the program? Does everything I have and do depend on my program's foundation? Isn't the 12-step program the one that got me straight head in the right direction? Let's meditation for the day. Lay upon God your failures and mistakes and shortcomings. Do not dwell upon your failures, upon the fact that in the past you have been nearer a beast than an angel. You have a mediator between you and God, your growing faith, which can lift you up from the mire and point you toward the heavens. You can still be reconciled with the Spirit of God. You can still regain your harmony with the divine principle of the universe. 
Prayer for the day. I pray that I may not let the beast in me hold me back from my spiritual destiny. I pray that I may rise and walk uprightly. It's from our little 24-hour book. Amen. I think we've all been there. One of the uh, areas to get ourselves back in order again. Hopefully these uh, reminders, we can buckle down and get back to our foundations, our roots. Little simple reminders that we all need program. We need proper program. If we're not continuing listening and studying, we're losing what we have. Proverbs. If you're not continuing reading and going forward, we are missing out. Amen. <clears throat> All right, let's go ahead and read um, <clears throat> Proverbs for today. Proverbs 14. Today's the 14th. <clears throat> it says, A wise woman builds her house, a foolish woman tears her down with her own hands. Or a man. Those who follow the right path fear the Lord. Those who take the wrong path despise Him. The talk of fools is a rod for their back, but the words of the wise keep them out of trouble. An empty stable stays clean, but no income comes from an empty stable. A truthful witness does not lie. A false witness breeds lies. A mocker seeks wisdom and never finds it. But knowledge comes easily to those with understanding. Stay away from fools, for you won't find knowledge there. The wise look ahead to see what is coming, but fools deceive themselves. Fools make fun of guilt, but the godly acknowledge it and seek reconciliation. Fools make fun of guilt, but the godly acknowledge it and seek reconciliation. Verse 10. Each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can fully share its joy. The house of the wicked will perish, but the tent of the godly will flourish. There is a path before each person that seems right, but its end, it ends in death. There is a program before each person that seems right, but its end ends in death. Laughter can conceal a heavy heart. When the laughter ends, the grief remains. Backsliders get what they deserve. Good people receive their reward. Only simpletons believe everything they are told. The prudent carefully consider their steps. The wise are cautious and avoid danger. Fools plunge ahead with great confidence. 
Those who are short-tempered do foolish things, and schemers are hated. The simpleton is clothed with folly, but the wise person is crowned with knowledge. Evil people will bow before good people. The wicked will bow at the gate of the godly. The poor are despised even by their neighbors, while the rich have many friends. It is sin to despise one's neighbor. Blessed are those who help the poor. If you plot evil, you will be lost. But if you plan good, you will be granted unfailing love and faithfulness. Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. Wealth is a crown for the wise. The efforts of fools yields only folly. A truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is a traitor. Those who fear the Lord are secure. He will be a place of refuge for their children. Fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape from the snares of death. A growing population is a king's glory. A dwelling nation is his doom. Those who control their anger have great understanding. Those with a hasty temper will make mistakes. A relaxed attitude lengthens life. Jealousy rots it away. Those who oppress the poor insult their maker. But those who help the poor honor him. The wicked are crushed by their sins, but the godly have a refuge when they die. Wisdom is enshrined in an understanding heart. Wisdom is not found among fools. Godliness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. A king rejoices in servants who know what they are doing. He is angry with those who cause trouble. There's a side note that says right here for the New Living Translation, New Living Testament, NLT. Um, verses 26 and 27 that say, Those who fear the Lord are secure. He will be a place of refuge for their children. Fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape from the snares of death. It says, The fear of the Lord is an integral in any 12-step program. Step 2, 3, 6, 7, and 11 all have to do directly with trusting God and drawing closer to Him. God will give us strength and power that we never could have experienced it if we had refused to follow His plan for us. He is our security, our strength, and our source of life. If we haven't given our life to Jesus yet, we must do it now. Any hope of recovery depends on a relationship with Him. 
You gotta accept Jesus, folks. Just say yes to the cross. Father, I accept what Jesus did in the cross for me. He died and paid the ultimate price for me. I say yes to the cross. I accept what was done in the cross for me, Father. I open my heart and let Jesus in. Help me, Lord. I need a Savior. Renew my life and my heart. and Come into my heart and renew my mind. I need you, Lord Jesus. Amen. It's as easy as that to get yourself saved. Trusting God to direct us through the advice of others, it is an important step in recovery. Solomon, however, gave a wise note of caution here. Don't trust others blindly. A healthy trust in others is developed gradually and carefully. This can only happen as we determine when it is safe for us to be vulnerable and if the guidance we are receiving is godly, if any advice is contrary to the truth revealed in the Word of God, it should be disregarded, no matter who gave it. Or anything that you know to be wrong, staying away from dangerous people, places, and things, people that tell you get over it, you know, change requires focus. Change requires, you change everything. Make a determination, a commitment. Welcome to today's meeting of Elanon. Let us go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. October 14, hope for today. After my father died from alcoholism when I was nine and my mother died when I was 12, I felt abandoned by God. I felt confused and I existed in a daze that permeated all aspects of my life. I sought solace in nature by spending time on my free time in the woods and fields around my home. I rested in the fields and watched the streams. I observed animals in the woods and learned about birds and their calls. I discovered many different kinds of life existing in small, stagnant ponds, and I collected bugs in the field. The peace I felt when alone with nature helped me to forget my pain. Many years later, I joined Elanon. It seemed as though every meeting contained mention of God with whom I no longer had a relationship. The more I kept coming back, the more apparent it became that I needed to find a higher power of my understanding. If I could accept and work the first three steps, I knew my recovery would reach a standstill. If I couldn't, by the grace and prayer and meditation, I was blessed with boyhood recollections of my times in nature. The beauty of nature, warm summer breezes, and the invigorating snap of cold winter air had comforted me as nothing else could. Without me knowing it, God had allowed me to heal slowly 
in his natural world. In time, I finally realized that God had not left me. Rather, he had just stepped back until I was ready to reestablish conscious contact with him in my recovery. Thought for the day. My shifting thoughts and feelings cannot comprehend the breath and depth of my higher powers care for me. It is quite easy to look at my past and see that God was working at all times in my life. From the Forum, 1998. I'm Fernando. I am a grateful member of Al-Anon. And that too is my experience. I experienced that God was ready for me when I came back and was in tune with Him. He gladly just amplified Himself more in my life. And He was always there. Even in my rebellion and craziness when I did not understand Him. I understand God today. I have a God of my understanding. Cool, calm, collective. Happy, joyous, and free. It's working, folks. Amen. Thank you. Let's uh, read Courage for today, October the 14th. Do not search for the truth, said an ancient patriot. Only cease to cherish opinions. Huh. Only cease to cherish opinions. For me, ceasing to cherish opinions is part of the 10th step. Much of what I find wrong in my life is related to my opinions. That is, my prejudice, assumptions, self-righteous stances, and attitudes. For example, I continue to assume that I have the inside track on how everything should be done, and that other people are too short-sighted to recognize this great truth. Reality proved me wrong. I have reverted to the idea that ignoring my feelings is practical, even desirable. This too is wrong, and I act as if I can run my life without trusting in my higher power. Wrong again. I give thanks to Step 10's reminder that I need to continue taking personal inventory and making frequent corrections, especially in the areas where I tend to repeat my mistakes. Today's reminder, it is not no easy task to change the thinking of a lifetime. Even when I am sure that I want to change, the 10th step allows me to be aware of sliding back into a faulty thinking. I don't have to abuse myself when it happens. That doesn't help at all. By promptly admitting when I'm wrong, I am doing what I can to change. No longer must we accumulate burdens of guilt or resentments that will become heavier and more potent over time. Each day, each new moment can be an opportunity to clear the air and start afresh and free. Amen. When things get too heavy for me, I say, I thank God I'm a misfit. I thank God I messed up. And it clears the air real quick. It hooks me up to my higher power. And my higher power says, I'll take care of the problem. That's my job. I'll take care of it. One day at a time. October 14th. 
We come to Elnon because we believe it has something we want. In other words, we come to get something for ourselves. At first, we have no idea that this getting is intimately involving with giving. We soon discover that our willingness to help others has an immediate and beneficent reaction on us. Our progress in the program depends on the satisfying sense of sharing, giving of ourselves, whether it be to enlighten and comfort a newcomer, serving as a group officer, treasurer, supporting our fellowship, or listening patiently to someone in trouble. To today's reminder, the more I give of myself and the more generously I open my heart and mind, to others, the more growth I will experience as I deal with my problems. I learned in Al-Anon never to measure my giving against my getting. The very giving provides my reward. The river is only a channel for the gift he has received from God. He cannot hoard or withhold them without blocking this channel. One day at a time. God bless you. Let's go ahead and pray out. Let's pray with the uh, serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Keep coming back. It works. Reading for today from Kenny Copeland Ministries, Faith to Faith. Daily Devotional for October 14th. That glorious name and I will do, I myself will grant whatever you may ask in my name as presenting all that I am, so that the Father may be glorified and extolled in through the Son. John fourteen thirteen, the Amplified Bible. In Jesus' name is more than a phrase. We tack on to the end of our prayers. All that God is and does is represented in the name of Jesus. The Amplified The Amplified Bible says when you ask in his name, you represent your request to the Father on the basis of all that Jesus is, so you can boldly expect to have those requests granted, not because you're worthy, but because he is. What's more, the name of Jesus carries authority over all other names. In Philippians 2, 5 and 3, 11, the Apostle Paul tells us, God also has highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name that is in the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. In spite of all the word of God has to say about the power of the name of Jesus, most believers don't seem to put much stock in it. They'll pray in the name of Jesus, then turn right around and say, I sure hope God answers that prayer. They don't realize that if they 
only had the faith to believe it. Jesus' name alone carries enough clout to guarantee their prayers will be answered. They even let religious <clears throat> slang rob them of the power of using the, that name. I heard of many well-meaning believers end his prayer with the phrase, For Jesus' sake. And for Jesus didn't say to pray for his sake. He said to pray for his in his name, <clears throat> inside his name. I used to make that mistake myself. One night I was praying because I was suffering from a stomach ache. Oh, for Jesus' sake, I prayed, heal my stomach. After I said that a few times, the Lord spoke up on the inside of me. Wait a minute, wait, hey, he said, whose stomach is hurting here, mine or yours? Uh, mine, I answered. Then he very plainly said, in that case, pray for your stomach's sake in my name. Jesus' name, dig into the word and find out just how much power and authority it really carries. Then use that power every time you pray. Don't, excuse me, it doesn't say don't. It says, stop hoping God will answer and start expecting him to cause every circumstance in your life to bow its knee in honor of that glorious name. Amen, amen. Fea faith. Ese glorioso nombre. <coughs> Octubre 14. Y todo lo que pidieres al Padre en mi nombre lo haré para que el Padre sea glorificado en el Hijo. Juan 14, 13. En el nombre de Jesús, esta frase es más que unas cuantas palabras que decimos para finalizar nuestras oraciones. Todo lo que Dios es y hace está contendido en el nombre de Jesús. En la versión amplifica, Amplified, leemos que cuando pedimos en el nombre de Jesucristo, estamos presentando nuestras peticiones al Padre basados en todo lo que Jesús es. Por pasados. Por esa razón, podemos confiar en que nuestras peticiones serán concedidas, no porque seamos dignos, sino porque Dios es digno. Es más, el nombre de Jesús es superior a cualquier otro nombre. En Filipenses 2, 9 a 10, el apóstol Pablo afirma, por lo cual Dios también le exaltó a Jesús hasta lo sumo, y le dio un nombre que es sobre todo nombre, para que en el nombre de Jesús se doble toda rodilla de los que están en los cielos y en la tierra y debajo de la tierra. A pesar de todo lo que la palabra de Dios acerca del poder del nombre de Jesús, la mayoría de los creyentes no parecen confiar mucho en ese nombre. Oran en el nombre de Jesús, pero luego dicen, Ojalá Dios conteste mi oración. No se den cuenta de que sería suficiente creer que el nombre de Jesús conlleva toda la influencia necesaria para garantizar que sus oraciones serán contestadas. Hasta permiten que el lenguaje religioso les 
prive del poder de usar ese nombre. Yo he oído a muchos creyentes bien intencionados terminar su oración con las palabras por el amor de Jesús. Pero Jesús no dijo que or oramos por su amor. Él dijo que oramos en su nombre. Yo mismo solía cometer ese error. Una noche estaba orando para que tenía dolor en el estómago. Oh, por el amor de Jesús, exclámame, sana mi estómago. Después de repetir esto unas cuantas veces, el Señor habló a mi corazón. Espera un momento, me dice. Hey, ¿a quién le duele el, el estómago? Aquí, ¿a ti o a mí? A mí, le respondí. En ese caso, dijo el Señor, ora por tu estómago en mi nombre. El nombre de Jesús. Escudriñé la palabra para que en realidad conozca el poder y la autoridad que tiene ese nombre. Y menciónale siempre que ore. Deje de tener la vaga esperanza de que quizá Dios le conteste. Y empiece a creer con toda confianza que Él hará que toda situación de su vida le rinda honor a ese nombre glorioso. La palabra de Dios. Limitless love. Welcome to today's reading. Be glad-hearted today by Gloria. Gloria Copeland. Be happy in your faith and rejoice and be glad-hearted continually, always. Amplified Bible, 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Again, be happy in your faith and rejoice and be glad-hearted continually, always. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. One of the most loving things you can do for the people around you is to be glad-hearted and joyful every day. When you're bright and happy, you lift the spirit of others. Your joy lightens their hearts. Many Christians, however, don't bother to do what it takes to stay glad-hearted. They don't draw near to the Lord each day and stir up the joy in their hearts. When the devil attacks them with the blues, they just give in to him. When things don't go their way, they let discouragement set in. As a result, they are down and a sad lot. They're depressed themselves and an emotional burdens to others. Actually, such behavior is totally selfish and as believers, we have no excuse for it. We're commanded to walk in love and to be joyful and glad-hearted. The scripture doesn't tell us to be happy in our fate when we feel like it or when things are going perfectly in our lives. They tell us to rejoice all the time. We have the ability to do it, too. If we just walk with God and walk in the Spirit, we can walk a gladness every day. One friend of ours who has truly learned how to do that is Jerry Savelle. I love to be around him because he always <clears throat> has a glad heart. He is so full of joy that he often makes us laugh when we... We're with him. 
but Jerry didn't just accidentally stumble into that kind of joy. He actually rejoices on purpose. <clears throat> he cultivates the joy of the Lord. When he travels, for example, he has to spend days alone in a hotel room away from his family. He has tremendous opportunities to feel down. Many of those times he'd rather be at home enjoying himself with the people he loves. Instead of letting those that depress him, <clears throat> however, he encourages himself. He even tells himself funny things to make himself laugh. That's one reason he brings such blessings <clears throat> to people around him. He brings them joy because he is so funny and so glad. Some people seem to have the, the idea that the more spiritual we get, the sadder and more sour-faced we ought to be. But that's the furthest things from the truth. God is the most spiritual being of all. And the scripture says he laughs. Sephaniah 3.17 tells us, The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee. will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will rejoice over thee with singing. Heaven is a happy place. The people who live there aren't walking around with long faces. They're living and basking in the gladness of the joy of the Lord. We don't have to wait till we get there to join them. If we'll walk with the Lord and stir ourselves up, we can be continually glad-hearted. Be glad-hearted today, folks, by Gloria Copeland. Alabemos a Dios nuestro Rey. 
leyendo los salmos. Salmo 14. Los malos rechazan a Dios. Los necios piensan Dios no existe, pero son gente corrompida. Todo lo que hace es odioso. Ninguno de ellos hace lo bueno. Dios desde el cielo mira a hombres y a mujeres. Busca a alguien inteligente que lo reconozca como Dios. Pero no hay uno solo no, que no se haya alejado de Dios. No hay uno solo que no se haya corrompido. No hay uno solo que haga el bien. Ustedes, gente malvada, que allí están llenos de miedo, que jamás buscan a Dios, que se hartan de comida y costillas de mi pueblo, deberían saber esto. Dios está con los buenos, y aunque ustedes desbaratan los planes de los humildes, Dios es quien los protege. ¿Cómo quisiera yo que Dios nos enviara desde Jerusalén a alguien que salve a nuestro pueblo? Cuando Dios nos haga prosperar, todo en Israel estaremos felices. Salmo 44 Entra ya en acción. Poema educativo compuesto por la familia de Coré. Dios mío, nuestros padres nos han contado los grandes maravillas que tú hiciste en el pasado. Tú mismo echaste de su tierra a los otros pueblos. Los destruiste por completo y en lugar de ellos pusiste a nuestro propio pueblo y lo hiciste prosperar. No fue con la espada como ellos conquistaron esta tierra. No fue la fuerza de su brazo lo que les dio la victoria. Fue tu mano poderosa, fue la luz de tu presencia, porque tú los amabas. Tú eres mi Dios y mi Rey. Tú nos dices la victoria. Por tu gran poder vencimos a nuestros enemigos. Destruimos a nuestros agresores. Yo no pondría mi confianza en mi arco y en mis flechas, ni pensaría que mi espada podría darme la victoria. Fuiste tú quien nos hizo vencer a nuestros enemigos. Fuiste tú quien puso en vergüenza a nuestros adversarios. Dios nuestro, siempre te alabaremos, siempre te daremos gracias. Pero ahora nos has rechazado, nos has hecho pasar vergüenza. Ya no marchas con nuestros ejércitos. Ya nos has hecho huir. El enemigo nos ha quitado todo lo que teníamos. Has dejado que nos devoren como si fuéramos ovejas. Has dejado que nos dispersemos entre las otras naciones. Nos vendiste muy barato. ¿Y qué ganaste con esto? Nos pusiste en ridículo delante de nuestros vecinos. Las naciones y los pueblos se burlan de nosotros. Somos el hazme reír de todo el mundo. Me muero de vergüenza, pues a todas horas me, me ofenden. Mis enemigos me gritan y buscan vengarse de mí.
Todo esto lo hemos sufrido a pesar de no haberte olvidado. Jamás hemos faltado a tu pacto. Jamás te hemos sido infieles. Ni te hemos desobedecido. Y a pesar de todo eso, nos has echado en lugares de miseria. Nos has dejado en profunda oscuridad. Si te hubiéramos olvidado o hubiéramos adorado a dioses de otros pueblos, tú te habrías dado cuenta, pues sabes lo que pensamos. Pero por causa tuya nos matan por ti y nos tratan siempre como ovejas para el matadero. Despierta ya, Dios mío, ¿por qué sigues durmiendo? Entra ya en acción, no nos sigas rechazando. ¿Por qué te escondes? ¿Por qué nos olvidas? Mira con, cómo nos oprimen. Estamos derrotados por completo. Tenemos que arrastrarnos por el suelo. Ven ya en nuestra ayuda. Sálvanos por tu gran amor. ¿Qué salmo? Eh? Salmo 74. Dios mío, libera a tu pueblo. Dios y pastor nuestro, ¿por qué nos rechaza? ¿Vas a estar siempre enojado con este pueblo que es tu rebaño? No te olvides de nosotros. Hace mucho tiempo nos compraste. Somos el pueblo de que rescataste para que fuéramos tuyos. No te olvides de Jerusalén, la montaña donde habitas. Ven a ver a tu pueblo, para siempre ha quedado en ruinas. Todo lo destruyó el enemigo. En el centro de la ciudad, tus enemigos rejurien como leones. Rugieron y agitaron victoriosos tus banderas. Como si fueran leñadores, hacha en mano, lo derribaron todo. Con hachas y martillos destrozaron las paredes talladas en madera. No respetaron tu templo, sino que le prendieron fuego. Los redujeron a cinesas, como a todas las sinagogas del país. Ya no vemos ondear nuestras banderas. No hay profeta entre nosotros, ni hay tampoco quien sepa cuánto más debemos aguantar. Dios nuestro, ¿hasta cuándo el enemigo va a seguir ofendiéndote y burlándose de ti? Demuéstrale tu poder, no te quedas allí, cruzado de brazos. Desde tiempos antiguos tú has sido nuestro Dios y Rey. En repetidas ocasiones nos has dado la victoria. Tú con tu poder debilistes el mar en dos. A los monstruos del mar les partiste la cabeza. Tú aplastaste contra el suelo las cabezas del monstruo Leviatán y con su cuerpo sin vida alimentaste a las fieras. Tú hiciste que brotan ríos y manantiales, pero también sacaste por completo ríos que parecían inagotables. Tuyos son el día y la noche, pues hiciste el sol y la luna. Tú fijaste los límites de la tierra y estableciste las estaciones del año. Dios nuestro, 
El enemigo se burla de ti. Gente malvada te ofende. No se le perdones. Este pueblo tuyo es frágil como una mariposa. No te olvides de nosotros ni dejes que nos devoren nuestros feroces enemigos. Acuérdate de tu pacto porque en todas partes hay violencia. No dejes que avergüencen el pobre y el humilde. Haz que tus enemigos te alaben. Vamos Dios nuestro, defiéndete. Esos malvados no dejan de ofenderte. No se los perdones. No les perdones a tus enemigos. Tanto gritorero y alboroto. Salmo 104 Himno al Creador Alabemos a nuestro Dios con todas nuestras fuerzas. Dios mío, tú eres un Dios grandioso, cubierto de esplendor y majestad, y envuelto en tu un manto de luz. Extendiste los cielos como una cortina, y sobre las aguas del cielo pusiste tu habitación. Las nubes son tus carros de combate, viajas sobre las alas del viento. Los vientos son tus mensajeros. Los relámpagos están a tu servicio. Afirmaste la tierra sobre sus bases y de allí jamás se moverá. Cubriste la tierra con el agua del mar. Cubriste por completo la cumbre de los cerros. Pero lo reprendiste y el mal se retiró. Al oír tu voz de trueno, el mar se dio a la fuga. Las aguas subieron a los cerros y bajaron a los valles hasta llegar al lugar que les habías señalado. Tú les pusiste límites que jamás deben rebasar para que nunca más vuelvan a inundar la tierra. Dios mío, tú dejas que los arroyos corran entre los cerros y que llenen los ríos. En sus aguas apagan su sed las bestias del campo y los burros salvajes. En las ramas cercanas las aves del cielo ponen su nido y dejan oír su canto. Dios mío, tú con tu lluvia riegas desde el cielo las montañas, tu bondad satisface a la tierra, tú haces crecer la hierba para que coma el ganado, también haces crecer las plantas para el bien de toda la gente. El pan que da fuerzas, el vino que da la alegría y el perfume que da la belleza. Los cedros del Libano, árboles de tú mismo plantaste, tienen agua en abundancia. En ellos anidan las aves, en sus ramas habitan las cigüeñas, en las montañas más altas viven las cabras monteses. Y entran entre las rocas se refugian los conejos. Tú hiciste la luna para medir los meses y le enseñaste al sol a qué hora debe ocultarse. En cuanto el sol se pone, llega la oscuridad. Es la hora en que rondan todos los animales del bosque. Y esa hora rueguen los leones y te reclaman su comida. 
Pero en cuanto sale el sol, corren de nuevo a sus cuevas y allí se quedan dormidos. Entonces nos levantamos para hacer nuestro trabajo hasta que llegue la noche. Dios nuestro, tú has hecho muchas cosas y todas las hiciste con sabiduría. La tierra entera está llena con todo lo que hiciste. Ahí está el ancho mar con sus grandes olas. En él hay muchos animales, grandes y pequeños. Es imposible contarlos. Ahí navegan los barcos y vive el monstruo del mar con el que te diviertes. Todos estos animales dependen de ti y esperan que llegue la hora en que tú los alimentes. Tú les das y ellos reciben. Abres la mano y comen de lo mejor. Si les das la espalda, se llenan de miedo. Si les quitas el aliento, mueren y se vuelven a polvo. Pero envías tu espíritu y todo en la tierra cobra nueva vida. Dios nuestro, que tu poder dure para siempre. Que todo lo que creaste sea para ti fuente de alegría. Cuando miras la tierra, ella se pone a temblar. Cuando tocas los cerros, ellos echan humo. Que los pecadores desaparezcan de la tierra y que los malvados dejen de existir. Dios nuestro, mientras tengamos vida, te alabaremos y te contaremos himnos. Recibe con agrado nuestro pensamiento. Tú eres nuestra mayor alegría. Alabemos a nuestro Dios con todas nuestras fuerzas. Sí, alabemos a nuestro Dios. Amén. Salmo 134. Alabemos a Dios. Cántico para las peregrinaciones. Alabemos a Dios. Alaben a Dios todos ustedes. Perdón. Alaben a Dios todos ustedes que están a su servicio. Alábenlo también ustedes los que en su templo le cantan himnos por las noches. Levanten las manos para orar. Dirijan la mirada hacia el altar y alaben a Dios. Que Dios, creador del cielo y de la tierra, te bendiga desde su templo. Amén y amén. Proverbios 13. Bienvenidos a escuchar la palabra de Dios. Que Dios los bendiga mil veces por sus oraciones, por sus quereres, los gozos que tienen en el corazón, usando su imaginación. Cuando oramos por algo, imagino, imaginarlo que ya lo tiene. Imaginarlo, creer es imaginarlo. Por eso es suave ir a mirarlo y imaginarlo que lo tiene. Amén. Proverbios 13. El hijo sabio acepta la corrección del padre. El insolente no hace caso de reprensiones. Cada uno recoge el fruto de lo que dice. 
pero los traidores tienen hambre de violencia. Cuidar las palabras es cuidarse uno mismo. El que habla mucho se arruina solo. El perezoso desea y no consigue. El que trabaja prospera. El hombre justo odia la mentira. El malvado es motivo de vergüenza y deshonra. La rectitud protege al hombre intachable. La maldad destruye el pecador. Hay quienes no tienen nada y presumen de ricos. Hay quienes todos lo tienen y ap aparentan ser pobres. La riqueza del rico le salva la vida. El pobre jamás escucha amenazas. Los justos son como una luz brillante. Los malvados como lámpara que se apaga. El orgullo solo provoca peleas. La sabiduría está en los humildes. La riqueza ilusoria disminuye. El que la junto poco a poco la aumenta. Esperanza frustrada, corazón afligido. Pero el deseo cumplido es como un árbol de vida. El que desatiende una orden lo lamentará. El que respeta el mandato será recompensado. La enseñanza del sabio es fuente de vida y libra de los lazos de la muerte. El buen juicio se gana el aprecio. Pero los traidores marchan a su ruina. El que es prudente actúa con inteligencia, pero el necio hace gala de su necesidad. El mensajero malvado acarrea problemas, pero el mensajero fiel los alivia. Pobreza y deshonra tendrá quien desprecia el consejo. Grandes honores quien atiende la corrección. El deseo cumplido es causa de alegría. Los necios no soportan alejarse del mal. Júntate con sabios y obtendrás sabiduría. Júntate con necios y te echarás a perder. Los pecadores son perseguidos por el mal, los justos recompensados con el bien. El hombre bueno deja herencia a sus nietos. El pecador amasa fortunas que serán del justo. En el campo del pobre hay comida abundante. Pero mucho se pierde donde no hay justicia. Quien no corrige a su hijo no lo quiere. El que lo ama lo corrige. El justo como hasta estar satisfecho. Pero el malvado se queda con hambre. El justo come hasta estar satisfecho. Pero el malvado se queda con hambre. 
Ahora Salmos 13. Oración pidiendo ayuda. Señor, ¿hasta cuándo me olvidarás? ¿Me olvidarás para siempre? ¿Hasta cuándo te esconderás de mí? ¿Hasta cuándo mi alma y mi corazón habrán de sufrir y estar tristes todo el día? ¿Hasta cuándo habré de estar sometido al enemigo? Señor Dios mío, mírame, respóndeme, llena mis ojos de luz. Que no caiga yo en el sueño de la muerte. Que no diga mi enemigo, lo he vencido. Que no se alegre si yo fracaso. Yo confío en tu amor. Mi corazón se alegra porque tú me salvas. Cantaré al Señor por el bien que me ha hecho. Salmo 43 Oh Dios, hazme justicia. Ponte de mi parte contra esta gente pagana. Ponme a salvo del mentiroso, del malvado, porque tú eres mi Dios y protector. Porque me has alejado de ti. ¿Por qué tengo que andar triste y oprimido por mis enemigos? Envía tu luz y tu verdad para que ellas me enseñen el camino. Que lleve a tu santo monte al lugar donde tú vives. Llegaré entonces a tu altar, oh Dios. Allí te alabaré al son del arpa. Pues tú, mi Dios, llenas mi vida de alegría. ¿Por qué voy a desanimar, desanimarme? ¿Por qué voy a estar preocupado? Mi esperanza he puesto en Dios, a quien todavía seguiré alabando. Él es mi Dios y Salvador. Salmo 73 La bondad de Dios. Qué bueno es Dios con Israel, con los de limpio corazón. Un poco más y yo hubiera caído. Mis pies casi resbalaron. Pues tuve envidia al ver cómo prosperan los orgullosos y malvados. Ellos no les preocupa la muerte, pues están llenos de salud. No han sufrido las penas humanas ni han estado en apuros como los demás. Por eso el orgulloso es su collar y la violencia su vestido. Están tan gordos que los ojos se les saltan. Y son demasiadas sus malas intenciones. Con burla, orgullo y descarro amenazan hacer maldad y violencia. Atacan al cielo con sus labios y recorren la tierra con su lengua. Por eso la gente los alaba y no encuentra ninguna falta en ellos. Preguntan, ¿acaso Dios va a saberlo? ¿Acaso se dará cuenta el Altísimo? Miren a estos malvados, con toda tranquilidad aumentan sus riquezas. De nada me sirve tener limpio el corazón y limpiarme las manos de toda maldad, pues a todas horas recibo golpes y soy castigado todas las mañanas. Si yo hubiera pensado como ellos, 
habría traicionado a tus hijos. Trate de comprender esto, pero no fue muy difícil. Pero me fue muy difícil. Solo cuando entré en el santuario de Dios, comprendí a dónde van ellos a parar. Los has puesto en lugar resbalado y los empujas a la ruina. En un momento quedarán destruidos. El miedo acabará con ellos. Cuando tú, Señor, te levantes, como cuando uno despierta de un sueño, despreciarás sus falsas apariencias. Yo estuve lleno de amargura y en mi corazón sentía dolor porque era un necio que no entendía. Era ante ti igual que un bestia. Sin embargo, siempre he estado contigo. Me has tomado de la mano derecha. Me has dirigido con tus consejos y al final me recibirás con honores. ¿A quién, to a quién tengo en el cielo? Solo a ti. Estando contigo, nada quiero en la tierra. Todo mi ser se consume, pero Dios es mi herencia eterna y el que sostiene mi corazón. Los que se alegran de ti morirán, destruirás al que no te sea fiel. Pero yo me acercaré a Dios, pues para mí eso es lo mejor. Tú, Señor y Dios, eres mi refugio y he de proclamar todo lo que has hecho. Amén y Amén. Ahora Salmo 73. Perdón, 103. Bendiceré al Señor. Bendiceré al Señor con toda mi alma. Bendiceré con todo mi ser su santo nombre. Bendiceré al Señor con toda mi alma. No olvidaré ninguno de sus beneficios. Él es quien perdona todas mis maldades, quien sana todas mis enfermedades, quien libra mi vida del sepulcro, quien me colma de amor y ternura, quien me satisface con todo lo mejor y me rejuvenece como un águila. El Señor juzga con verdadera justicia a los que sufren violencia. Dio a conocer sus caminos y sus hechos a Moisés y el pueblo de Israel. El Señor es tierno y compasivo, es paciente y todo amor. No nos reprende en todo tiempo, ni su rencor es eterno. No nos ha dado el pago que merecen nuestras maldades y pecados. Tan inmenso es su amor por los que le honran. Como inmenso es el cielo sobre la tierra. Nuestros pecados ha alejado de nosotros como ha alejado del oriente al occidente. El Señor es con los que le honran, tan tierno como un padre con sus hijos. Pues Él sabe de que estamos hechos, sabe bien que somos polvo. La vida del hombre es como la hierba, brota como una flor silvestre, Tan pronto la azota el viento, deja de existir, 
y nadie vuelve a saber de ella. Pero el amor del Señor es eterno para aquellos que le honran. Su justicia es infinita por todas las generaciones. Para los que cumplen con su pacto y no se olvidan de obedecer sus mandatos. El Señor ha puesto su trono en el cielo y su reino domina sobre todo. Bendigan al Señor, ángeles poderosos, ustedes que cumplen sus órdenes. Bendigan al Señor todos sus ejércitos que le sirven y hacen su voluntad. Bendigan al Señor la creación entera en todos los lugares de su reino. Bendiciré al Señor con toda mi alma. Amén y Amén. Salmo 143. Salmo 133 Vean qué bueno y agradable es que los hermanos vivan unidos Es como el buen perfume que corre por la cabeza de los sacerdotes Y baja por su barba hasta el cuello de su ropaje Es como el rocio del monte Germón Que cae sobre los montes de Sion Ahí es donde el Señor envía las bendiciones de una larga vida. Amén. La palabra de Dios. John G. Lake book, John G. Lake, His Life, His Sermons, His Boldness of Faith. Chapter 34, The Believer. There is only one thing I could preach on today, and that is, go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, he that believe it, he that believe it, he that believe it, bless God, the believer is the big fellow. He that believe it, Jesus said, He that believe it and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, 15, and 16. Don't you know Jesus Christ was the most drastic teacher this world ever saw? Jesus Christ demanded that every other dispensation and revelation of the true God be set aside in favor of the one pure existent demonstration and manifestation of Jesus Christ. That is the reason the Jew is seeking God for salvation through Jesus Christ. Though he had the first and the greatest revelation until Jesus came. Christianity is the most drastic thing in its demand on the human conscience that the world has ever known. No other teacher in all the world like the Son of God places such demands on the life Listen, dear hearts, go you into all the world. The Lord began his preparation of the group to whom he said these wonderful words, which the closest intimacy. My, he called them one at a time out of the course of the world into an attachment with himself. Live with them, ate with them, slept with them, worked with them, taught them, and prayed with them. 
for three years. Bless God, he took them to the best side of the dying, took them out in the streets among the sick, the lame, the halt, and blind, and healed them, and said, Go out likewise, he that believeth. They came into the ranks of Jesus as believers, as believers in him, their abandonment of all that had gone before the divine superiority of Jesus Christ and his revelation was complete. They came to the Lord with open hearts and open minds and open souls to understand and know the way of God and receive the light of heaven into their hearts and become divinely equipped by his eternal power. Oh, the believer has a marvelous place. He that believeth, sound it out, dear ones. He that believeth. Christianity is the most extraordinary democracy the world ever knew. Jesus Christ laid his groundwork and his strength and his soul and spirit of the life of the believer. He that believeth. A personal relationship and union with Jesus Christ in heaven. Bless God. My, how it sweeps out class distinction and it wipes away everything unless the believers stand in the first place of relationship with God. How struck I was with our brother's Wilson testimony the other night. He said he has studied Christianity science for five years. He said when he first got the light of Christian science, he thought it was the most beautiful and wonderful thing in the world. After a while, he began to discover it was nice-sounding phrases, beautiful words, but lacking in the divine secret, the secret of the eternal power of Jesus Christ through the blood of the Son of God, and he abandoned it. Oh, my lots, oh my, lots of that in the world. Before Jesus Christ came, Christian science in a hundred forms was an old and gray whiskered and outcast and in the dump heap. Buddhism, Confucianism, Zoroastrianism, and all the rest of the long line of human philosophies had to go to the dump heap when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, revealed the Lord from heaven. No place, no contact, separation was the word of Jesus. Let them go. Dump them for the divine superiority of Jesus Christ by the Holy Ghost in the human heart. He that believe it, he that believe it. Christianity is not based on the mere statement of these words or mere belief in them. If it was, it would be a philosophy equal to the others, possibly superior in its demands on the conscience, but it will be placed on the philosophic de- demonstration the same as the other philosophies are. No, sir, that is not Christianity. The secret of Christianity is that Jesus Christ based it on an acceptance of himself. Jesus Christ said, Receive me, receive me. He that receiveth me, Matthew 10:40. Not he that receiveth my words alone, but he that receiveth me. He that receiveth, he that receiveth me. Receive him. That is what continues constitutes you a a believer when you receive the Lord into your heart, not when you receive some particular teaching or a particular statement of his word, but when you receive him, the Lord, the Christ, the Redeemer, into your heart. He that believeth, he that believeth me. Christianity is the most extraordinary revelation. 
is so far surpassed everything else in the form of religion in the known earth that there is no comparison whatsoever. I have just written a letter to say that I am accepting an invitation to preach at the International New Thought Convention next July for five days. I'm going to preach to them about the Son of God in conference with one or two hundred of them. Their national leaders a couple of years ago said, Lake, we absolutely challenge you to show where the gospel of Jesus Christ or the teachings of Jesus are superior to the teachings of the philosophers. I said, Dear brethren, it is not the statement on the demands of the conscience that is it. The secret of Christianity is that Jesus gave himself to the believer, that Jesus Christ comes not to the believer's heart, that he comes to dwell within his soul, that he comes to anoint his spirit from heaven, that he comes to take possession of his heart and life, to live in him, move in him, act in him, speak in him, pray in him, and all the other activities of the Christian soul. Did you ever see Buddha come into anybody? Ten thousands have accepted his philosophy, but he never came from heaven to dwell in any man's heart or life. Confucius never came to dwell in any man's heart yet. Zoroaster, in all the marble of his wondrous teachings, never came from heaven to dwell in the human soul. When he died, he died, and the grave covered him. And there was not a thing left but the books he wrote as a guide for others. Ah, Christianity began where philosophies left out. I always feel sorry for the individuals who only see Christianity as a human code or a moral law. Even though it was given by Jesus Christ himself, oh, that is not Christianity. This moral code that Jesus gave must be made a possibility in your soul, in your life by the Christ who came to dwell in your heart. He that believe it. He has entered into an exalted place, into an amazing relationship. Christianity is absolutely distinguished among all the religions of the world in that it provides for the resurrection of the body and that Jesus Christ himself was made the first fruits of the resurrection. He came forth in a glorified body, in a glorified life, in glorified power, in glorified being to dwell by the spirit of the heart of every other man in the world, bless God, in glorified being to dwell by the Spirit in the heart of every other man in the world, bless God. Think of the royal, regnant, glorified Son of God of heaven at the eternal throne coming into my heart, into your heart, believer, to dwell in your life, bless God. Oh, say I wish the blessed Lord would uncover our eyes to the divine majesty of the believer's relationship. He that believe it. Why Jesus has such an exalted concept of the relationship of the believer to the eternal Christ by the throne that he ordained. Him with himself. Hear it, hear it. he ordained him with himself. I am telling you that Jesus Christ said that the believer had authority from heaven to say to the lame man, Arise and walk. Haven confers something on the soul of man when he made it possible for the risen Lord by the Spirit to come into your heart and mind. Oh, how the joy bells of heaven ought to be breaking loose in our soul 
and the fires of heaven ought to shine forth from us because the Christ came into our hearts. Blessed be his name. Jesus of Nazareth did his work in the world, shed his tears over mankind, labored in the spirit for their salvation, died on the cross, and shed his blood. But Jesus, my Lord, blessed God, came forth out of a tomb, a living, glorified, regnant, sovereign of earth and heaven, with all power and authority within his hand. Hallelujah. Jesus of Nazareth was my Lord in the days of his humiliation. But Jesus the Christ at the eternal throne is the divine manifestation of the overcoming of God, the ultimate of all perfection, the final manifestation of all that is God-like. Hallelujah. If I could not leave another thing in this service in your hearts, I would like to leave this one text in your soul. Brand it in your soul, stamp it in your conscience, burn it into your heart that Jesus Christ, as it is presented in Revelation, the first chapter, which I love to call the 20th century Christ, is not Jesus in tears in Galilee or on the Mount of Olives weeping over Jerusalem, but the resurrected, glorified, masterful finality in God stands out and says, I am He, I am He, I am He. Let the world look, let the universe behold, let the devil see, let the kingdoms of darkness take notice. I am He that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Revelation 1.18 Would it not sound strange if you heard Buddha say that? You do not catch anything like that in his writings. He never gave a revelation like that. It took the Christ to get that. A famous author of a new religion presented himself to Tale Ran and told him of an amazing religion he had evolved and wanted to know the best means to quickly present it and fix it upon the minds of the people. Tale Ran told him to come back in three days and he would give him an answer. In three days he came back and Talleyrand received him. The gentleman said, Have you got an answer for me? He said, Yes, it is this. You be crucified, laid in the grave for three days, come forth in resurrection, ascend to heaven as the glorified Son of God, and the whole world will receive you. Beloved, that is what makes Christianity the superior of every other religion. And listen, dear hearts, when Jesus Christ, that glorified Son of the eternal throne, who speaks words that none other in all universe of God ever spoke, when he said, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. It is he who by the Spirit designed to come into the hearts of the believer. Oh, glory to God. If you have not appreciated the baptism of the Holy Ghost, look up to heaven and see the glorified one whose purpose to come into your life and possess it. Suppose I could get inside of Mrs. Lake. Can you imagine such a thing? She would be 190 pounds heavier than she is now. She would have a voice like a pirate and all the other characteristics of me. 
She would be me. Do you see it? Oh, listen. There is a divine secret in Christian salvation. It is Christ, in fact, in you by the Holy Ghost, dwelling in you, speaking in you, living in you, blazing in you, flashing from you. Bless God. I lay half the night writing a letter to a brother. I have done that three times, and each time I have torn them up. I said, they are not worthy. They have not sufficient of heaven's finality. I am going to wait until God gives the real light the boy needs. He has never seen Christ at the throne and the glorified regnant Jesus in heaven that comes into a man's life. Our eyes become clouded and our souls dim with the early things, earthly things that we see around us. And it is only once in a while that our spirit rises above it into the light of heaven that we see the glorified Son of God. To his feet I call you, to his heart I ask you, to join your soul and without that you will never know the abundance of his salvation. Amen. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved for with the heart Man believe it unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Amen. Chapter 34 of John G. Lake's book.